the whole idea of death, man. I mean, I don't get it. I, cause I don't know what happens. It's like a shitty experiment. It's like, let's live and love and get close to each other. And like one day it ends. Michael. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's good to be here. Thank you for, for having me here. First of all, this is amazing what you're doing. I've seen an episode and I, the way people talk to you, it, it's, it is healing for them. Yeah, my grandmother passed away November 23rd, 2020. She was 96 years old. And when I say that, some people say to me, oh God, she's 96. You should be grateful that you've had her for so long. And the more times I heard that, I would get a little bit upset because I would say, and you touched upon this with Phil Cohen in that podcast. It's like, there's no hierarchy of death. Like just the fact that she lived a long life and a great life. My grandmother lived an unbelievable life. Doesn't mean that it hurts me less that I've lost this incredible, phenomenal force of nature that was my grandmother. So it's like, and then you guys discussed how you should talk to someone who's who's grieving. The idea that you don't want to ask, how are you? <laughs> that is so true. Because it's like, I, I saw, I'm it's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really awful. And you said something about just saying that you're there, being there. I thought that was that was beautiful. That might be the the, the most generous way and considerate way of speaking to someone when someone's going through something because there's no judgment. You don't know how sensitive they are, and you just want to say your support and say I'm here for you and I'm here. That's it. That's all you can do. Because you're right, no words, nothing can take that grief and that loss and that pain, literally pain, away. Yeah, you know? it's so true. And you just don't know how people take it and everyone, you know, grieves differently. And I actually, the other day, you know, it really made me think one of my really good friends lost his grandmother recently. And and I regretfully didn't take my own medicine in that I feel like I didn't approach him in the right way. And we, we're really good friends, so thankfully we confronted it, like, straight up. He confronted me, and it was great that he did that. And he mentioned how I didn't approach him like other people were approaching him. And I felt really, I still feel a little guilty about it. I'm starting to like, you know, I'm realizing my mistake of not doing what I'm doing every day with this podcast. I feel like I gave him too much space and didn't approach him sooner and and responded, responded to him way too quickly that I wasn't, and he needed that. He needed that support. And the fact that I'm really close with him, I think it hurt him that I didn't come at him. The way, not that he was asking for an apology. But I don't think your intentions were wrong, but it's one of those things where it's like, maybe you were trying to be sensitive of his time, of his space, but maybe he needed you. So yeah, it was a little bit of both, but either way, I'm so close to him. I should have known better. So it was a little regretful on my end, but in regards to what you're saying, it is hard for people to, and I, like I said, I, I shouldn't know because I speak about it. But it is a thing where people on the other side that aren't experiencing loss don't know what to say. And they feel like, maybe I shouldn't say anything, this and that. But what I've learned, just saying, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? If anything, kind of opens the door for them. And you kind of get a read and they understand that you're there for them. Like, what else? What Because it's for them. It's right? for them. It, 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 there's no, it's just, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. Because when you say things like, how are you? What if they don't want to talk about how they are? What if they don't want to talk to you at all? What if I just want to tell you to go F yourself right now? Now I'm forced to talk about, like, it's just like, you just made a situation that's difficult <laughs> about 
about me having to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and from the other side, when some, like, I think innately you know when someone says, how are you? They're not meaning it in a way, but it comes- Right. It, but when you're the one feeling it, yeah. it's like, it, it can rub you the wrong way. It's like, what do you think? Or this and that. And so, yeah. But some, then again, some people might respond to how are you? Like, just let it out, but you don't know what the other person wants. Yeah. So once again, I'm like a very physical, like put my hand on your back, say I love you. And then that kind of expresses it. But so not that there's a right way, but I've definitely figured it, thought that that was one of the better approaches is letting you know you're there and what do you need? If yeah, read the room, right? So what do you need? What's going on with you? You're, you're oh, man, I, uh, it's, it's still so fresh. You know, what would really messed everything up was COVID because she passed away and because of, it was at the height of the pandemic. So there was not much traveling going on. So we couldn't give her a proper ceremony. Every time we tried to set it up, their code restrictions were getting worse. This was, you know, November, 2020. So that like in the next, like following weeks or months was like the height. It was like the worst people were dying by thousands by the day. It was horrible. So we couldn't really travel. So this has been an open wound for a long time until we actually gave her a proper service in September of 2021. So you found some sort of closure? So, absolutely. And it was much needed. And I demanded it. Like me and my aunt, my aunt, my aunt is, was ex- my grandmother's daughter, incredibly close to, to this to this woman. They spoke every day, like on the phone every day, either FaceTime or on the phone for hours. <laughs> so she was feeling as much or worse than I felt because we wanted to give her a proper burial and memorial, but also it was also for us that there was no closure mm-hmm. having to deal with and feeling like guilt. It's like, wow, a proper service is necessary to give closure to the family and also send them on their way. Right. We weren't doing that. So I was like, I'm feeling guilty. And it was just, it's an open wound. Yeah. So we finally did it. I was not looking forward to it, the, the memorial, but we did it. It was a rough day. It was a rough day because all the memories, all everything flooded back in. It's just a rough day. I gave a eulogy, which was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life was speak about my grandmother and then kind of say goodbye. My grandmother to me was, she really truly was like a best friend. I mean, I mean, I would go visit this woman every year, no matter what was going on in my life. I would, I would take a trip by myself to go spend time with Nanny. Her name was Dorothy, but I called her Nanny. And dude, a majority of our time was literally, I'd go, we'd, I'd sit at her coffee, t- coffee table. She'd have little biscuits, little jello, you know, little jello things. And we would talk for hours about life, about love, about her past, about what I'm doing, about life. And she, the amount of wisdom she, she gave me and the amount of joy I got from this woman was, I can't really explain it. So to have that go away <laughs> is just something that I still, I still don't get, death in general, but like her. I, I was thinking about her dying when I was a little kid. I said this at the eulogy. When I was a little boy, I would pray to God because I just felt a connection to my grandmother. But I, I could tell I had the sense and I was old enough to, to realize she was older. And I, death was kind of something that's like, oh, not everyone's here forever, right? So I would pray to God or the universe or whatever is up there. I'm not religious, but I'm, I think semi-spiritual. And I'd say, God, please let Nanny and Papa live forever because all they did was bring joy to my life. That's, that's, that's amazing. You know? so it's, it's wild that you've, you kind of understood that concept at a pretty young age. Yeah, because I didn't want them to go away. Yeah, you were thinking about that pretty early. Really early because there was such an affinity for them. I mean, it just my grandma was everything. She just, she, she's very similar to me, loved life. 
lived every single day with a smile on her face, wanted to help people, would throw parties till she was like in her 90s, man, because she wanted everyone else to have a blast. And that's me. I'm, I, I love life. I don't like death. <laughs> I don't understand death. You know what I mean? She would live her life like, we're here for a short time. Yeah. You, you make the most of it. You do, you do good and you help people out on your way. So if you're saying, you know, you received a lot of closure uh, amongst the funeral, that was, how long was the gap? Sorry, a year? It was a gap of almost a year. Almost yeah. A year. And so, we were, that was the rule. It was like, we are not letting a year go by before we put, we, we do the memorial. Yeah, it's a long time. So that year, what, so if, it, if you felt that you took that long to get some sort of closure, obviously it's still always an open wound for, in some sense. Do you remember the first year of what, like the, like the roller coaster of what you felt? We would get on the phone sometimes if something good was great was going on in my life or just wanted to check in. And then I something great would happen or or I'd want to share something. And I I look, I go to my phone, it's like, let's call nanny. Nobody'd call. That was tough. And then when I really was feeling bad, and this is during, you know, pandemic when we were there's lots of isolation, lots of I wasn't really work, there was no work. We couldn't, you know, the union shut productions were shut down. So it was a lot of time alone and, yeah. and time with just myself and my feelings and me. Um, and it, it, it dawned on me how much of a loss it was because I'm the type of guy that I'll go look at photos of her. I've got voicemails and the voicemails, the voicemails fucked me up. I still have them all and I'll never delete them. But like the voicemails, um, I still hear her voice and I see her hands and it's so visceral to me, but you know, it's just one of those things that you, you just have an intimate personal relationship and a connection and it doesn't go away. I still feel that. I just miss her. What do you do when you, do you just sit in it? I sit in it. I, I just let go. I'll just start. I'll, I most of the time just start crying and, um, I'll be looking at photos of her or hearing her voice and it's just all the memories flood in, all the good. It was amazing. I mean, here's the thing. It was all beautiful, but that's what makes it so sad for me. And maybe it's, I don't want to say selfish because I don't want to judge it, but the tears are for me, you know, it, because I'm not mad at her that she's gone. I'm not, she had a great life, right? And if, 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 if the measure of life is, is based on, on, on a sample of what her life was, then she lived a great life, right? So she did, she did everything she wanted to do. She didn't die of some awful illness. She died of old age. She had a great husband. She had great supportive family. She had a great life but the tears are for me because she's not there anymore. And this was someone, a rock in my life who, and a friend that I could share anything with and just know that they were there for me. And just, it was a unconditional love. I've never, I just, I don't even, it's unbelievable how beautiful she was. Yeah. So that's a lot. It's a lot to say of acknowledging that the tears are for you because it's interesting, even though maybe it's a play of words. It's when people say you cry, I'm crying for the lost one. But it's like when someone dies. I, In that regard. And maybe like 96. It, this wasn't a tragic death. That's what I mean by that. It yeah. was. A tra right, I, I don't know. Right, I don't right. want to start judging that. Maybe that's wrong. Judge. Me. Yeah. <laughs> when you grow old, you're going to die one day. She did that. You know, it wasn't sudden. It was just. It was inevitable, right? It was, but was my, also my biggest fear forever was losing this person. Yeah, there is a, a, a little bit of, not a stigma, but like you said, when people said, oh, she lived a long life, it almost diverts it a little bit, but it doesn't, like you said, doesn't change the pain that you feel. It's just, I feel like it's just an optimistic way to look at it, which is so quick that people say. Right. Like even I've said that. Just a silver lining. But it does, it does in a way, maybe whether intentional or not, it seemed like a way of just 
not maybe not intentionally diminishing it, but it kind of feels like a little bit of a deflection. It kind of feels a little bit. It's like, oh, you shouldn't feel so bad. She was old. Dude. Yeah. This was like a really beautiful person that I could lean on and talk to and just share things with, and they're not there anymore. Do you feel that you're, so when you were so young, you mentioned that, you know, it was in part of your mind knowing that they're going to go someday, which is wild. Wild. But does that, do you think that, empowers the grief and the pain that you felt knowing, or do you think that had any sense of preparation? I had been stealing my whole life knowing she was going to pass away one day. We didn't live like that. When I would talk to her, I wasn't think, in the moment, it wasn't like, you're going to die one day. Let's (laughs) talk about that. It was just like, I actually, it made it stronger because it's like, I need to spend as much time as I can. Because she's older. She's part of the older generation. So I made it a point to take a flight, get to Florida. I made it a point to make sure she was okay. No matter what, no matter what I was doing, Nanny's okay. We're, we've got our connection. I've got to stay in touch with her, keep her happy. She, it was just a beautiful mutual relationship to just enjoy the time that she had. That's, we did. That's it right there. It's like, it's like you can, you've made that realization because of our age and it's inherent thought process. But why don't people live like that for anyone? You're absolutely right. It's true. I mean, a lot of people do, but it's also- We also get caught up and we don't realize. And then you hear the stories about like tragic, tragic moments and and deaths of your father. And then you realize, oh, I should have maybe spent more time, not saying you, I'm just saying in general, there's people's lives are cut short. And then you realize, what the fuck were we doing? Yeah, we we should look at everyone like they're 96 years old. That's beautiful. Not physically, but. Right. But you're absolutely right because we don't know. Tomorrow's not promised. So just, you, you know, you don't want to live your life if someone goes like, wow, I should have made a stronger connection with that person or said hello or just had that coffee. You don't know. You know, I had my grandmother, not, you know, she was 96. I had years with her. I still feel, you know, loss and pain. So after that, did you, did you feel a shift after the funeral? Because obviously it's after, still fresh. Yeah. After the the the, the funeral there was a lot more closure. It was more like we sent her off. She's on her way. She's with my grandfather now. And I could have some peace of mind knowing that. And then I try and live my life and say, would Nanny be proud of me and the things that that I'm doing? You know, that's kind of how I kind of would want to live my life. That's when I think of her as like, she'd be proud of this, you know? But the it's the loss and the grief that, I, that, that still haunts me and hurts me. And I, the whole idea of death, man, I mean, I don't get it. Because I, I don't know what happens. It's like a shitty experiment. It's like, let's live and love and get close to each other. And like, one day, it ends. Man, it's a shitty what experiment. the hell, dude? It ends. And it's it just sucks experiment. all around. Yeah. Because the people still alive are hurt. The people gone are gone. That's the thing. The people that, <laughs> that are still alive are the ones that deal with it. Then again, once again... It's funny because if it, it might be a shitty experiment from our side of the fence, right? But what? Who knows? It could be nothing, whatever. But at, on the other side of the fence, maybe they're laughing at us. They're like, like don't Nirvana. Know. Maybe they're like, "This is bliss." No, you're right. We don't know. Yeah, you're the, totally right. Think about tube, that. The test tubes on the other side of the fence are sounding like great results. Meanwhile, we're the ones suffering. We're the ones sitting here yeah, paying seven dollar gas. Yeah, but it's, isn't it all? Pers- doesn't that doesn't that make you think that it's all perspective in regards to like? how you're viewing it, how I view it, how we view it. Because we're looking, if you look, for example, you look at like a shitty experiment, then it's going to feel pretty shitty. And it's going to feel shitty regardless because grief sucks. And it kind of goes back to people saying, oh, well, she lived a a long life. And it seems like diminishing, which it can be taken that way, but it's also an optimistic way of looking at death. So I wonder if there's ever a shift in the perspective of looking at death that just shifts the whole way you experience the grief. 
Well, you know, the Irish, did you know that the Irish, they celebrate death? Did you know that? There's a guy that I saw on, uh, on TED Talks, I think his last name's Trulis, was talking, I believe, about that. Hopefully. They literally celebrate. They're like, yeah, you know, it's almost like they've they've said, yes, you've moved on to the next phase, which is much better than this. And they they party. And that's the perspective, right? Yeah. And that's fine that they could do that. That ain't me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not it. sitting there, not you know, people. cheersing that that this person that I've loved for so long is gone. I that's just that, but like everyone grieves differently. The Irish do that. God bless them. I, maybe I wish I could do that. No way. So what are you doing? Like, because because you told me when you got here, you know, you you were referencing something. You saw back the text, and clearly so, it yeah, triggers you. I was confirming the date that my grandmother passed away, and it was I was correct. The problem is when I searched nanny in my phone, text message popped up with the connection. I was like. Huh. Clicked on it. I started scrolling and just seeing her text to me and my text to her. And is there comfort in that sadness? The only comfort that I have for my grandmother not being here is her. If she ever got COVID or if she ever had to suffer a, a, a bad death, I wouldn't want that. And also that she might be with her parents and my grandfather. Now, my grandfather passed away. Um, in 2000 from Alzheimer's. So, and they loved each, I mean, you're talking about an old Italian couple. My, my grandmother never remarried. It was, that, it was Michael Galante Sr. And that was it for her. So the fact that they could rejoin like that is where I do find solace and comfort that they're together. This is maybe why I say the tears are for me, because you're right. My grandmother might be in a beautiful place right now. And if she is, God bless her. Still miss her like crazy. Yeah, that's, and I, that's and I the wish loss. I could get on a plane right now and go to Florida and and have our coffee talk chats. You know, yeah, that's what's uh, just the loss that it's just okay, never again. For in this moment of time of life, whatever the fuck happens next, excuse my language. That is just that sounds so eternal and forever, and that's what's scary, especially when you have such a great relationship. It's it, final. It's so final. It seems so final. Yeah, it seems so final. And it's those uh, the moment when you have such a good relationship that makes it harder. And like I've heard, that's before, the thing. That's when people say, "Oh, she had she lived so long." It's like, yeah, she lived so long, and I spent years and more and more years with her. It makes it worse, almost. You know what I mean? Surprise to love. If I knew my grandmother for a year, it'd be a different story. <laughs> I knew this person for years. We developed a beautiful friendship and bond, and <laughs> that makes it worse. So, yeah, it was one of the worst days of my life hearing that she she passed away. People might judge and be like, well, God, you're lucky. Like, again, you're lucky. It's like, I still love this person forever, and I, I still love her. And, and to, to lose that, is a, it's, a, it's trauma. It's, it's loss, man. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, in my, in my own way, you know, it's, uh, I think it was something we, we spoke about with Phil as well. Phil keeps coming up. Last episode, it was like, when people say, I know how you feel, and you keep referencing, I, I know to some degree, because we both experience loss, but at the end of the day, we really you don't know how we feel. I mean, there's a bond there in regards to, you know, we both lost someone and that that is a common denominator. But in regards to how we feel, it's like we all have just totally different variables going on in our life, genetically, in our life, daily circumstances that just respond differently. So I, I'll never know 
what you feel. There's no, there's a thousand percent truth in that statement. It's all, per, it's personal experience. It's personal experience. That we all experience uh, experience grief differently. And then we all experience love and our relationships are different. So of course, everyone's grief is different. So you don't know how I feel. And that's Thank why you I, for saying that. Yeah. This is why you're right. We don't say that. You shouldn't say, I know how you feel. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't. And it's like, this. I guess even though there's a common denominator, you don't, because there's, you could lose, like me and my sisters lost our dad but we all felt differently. We all felt differently, saw things differently, were affected differently. Like I do think uh, between me and my sisters, we, we all got hit much differently and handled it much differently. And some handled it better than others. Like I definitely did not handle it the best of the three, but we lost the same person from the same gene pool, but there's more common ground there. But once again, I still don't know what my sister felt because there's just way too many variables, which also leads me to say there's no right way to grieve or feel. But I, that's why I asked you, did you just sit in your feelings? Because what I've learned from all the people I've spoke to and a common pattern with how they're getting through it is letting themselves feel that and not pushing it away somewhere where it shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, the problem is if I just let it come up all the time, I would just be sad all the time. But maybe that help, would help me get over the, the hump. And there are definitely moments when I'll, I'll sit and just think about her, you know, and then it brings sadness and grief. But then there, recently, there are times when I think about her and it makes me smile because I could think about the positive moments I did have. And that's wonderful. That really is wonderful. But going back to what you were saying, the grief, it's endless in terms of the definitions of how people grieve. Some people drink alcohol. <laughs> Some people actually might be happy that they're, you know, this is, it, it doesn't, it's endless. So when you say, I know how you feel, you don't know how that, what that person's relationship was, and you don't know how they process these things. That's why I think it's important for people to have discussions because, for instance, even though you can't exactly say, I know how you feel, along conversations like this, you can kind of cherry pick similar feelings because they are within there. I think 100%. There, there's different timing and different points of when you might feel that or maybe you don't feel at all. But that's there are some common denominators within the common denominator of similarities, you know what I mean? Like some person, like everyone might feel angry at some point, but for different reasons at different points. And there's just no, there's no formula to it. But it, like you said, hopefully alcohol isn't the way people go. Right. No, no, <laughs> no. I was do. Say, but I'm saying, yeah, I mean, but people do process everything differently. Sometimes healthy, sometimes not healthy. It's just, it's an inevitable thing that everyone has to go through. So are you going through, are you doing any specific work that helps you? Or right now you're just kind of Yeah, I, I mean, it's so damn busy. This is not a great excuse for having to process it. But like when I get really upset, I just kind of, this is the way I, I deal with, with, I guess, pain or things that are, are bad or negative that makes me feel sad. I get really busy with things. And I, I am busy with things. I've got a career going. I've got a startup I'm involved with, Shiver Pops. I don't know if you've Oh yeah, my girlfriend started a company called Shiver Pops. They're frozen sparkling wine popsicles. I got to get you. Oh my god! Oh, they're they're fantastic. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got some great news about that, so that's cool. I'm gonna get you some. They're great. Amazing. Oh yeah, they're they're awesome. <laughs> so I've been really busy with that. So you know, I don't really have. This is a shitty excuse. I don't have time to just be wallowing in my sadness. But whenever I feel like I, I kind of do push away the grief and the sadness because I also have to survive, and you know. I've got my life. I've got to keep pushing forward. My grandmother would want that. If she passed away, then she could like come back and say, and see me in sadness. She'd be like, what are you doing? You got an audition. You know, you've got, you got to go work on that TV show. What are you doing right now? Don't be worried about me. Get up. You know, that was the kind of like, when she, so it's like, you got to keep going. You got to keep forward. You got to keep moving forward. But um, I guess for me, it's like just cherishing the memories and just trying to remember her legacy and always keeping 
the values she had fresh in myself and hopefully spread the positivity and the wisdom and the excellent values to people that I know. Well, if right? I, I mean, yeah, you're gonna. I'm, I'm not worried about you passing yeah. positivity. Yeah. But if, in regards to your career and you being an artist, I was thinking about this. Do your personal events, like say your the loss of your grandmother, does that ever get leveraged in a career of being an art, an actor? In regards to like, because you need emotion to do what you're doing. Does it? Do you ever harness energy or emotions that you're living through your regular life to do that on stage? One million percent. And you just brought up a thing about how. Everyone processes grief differently, right? This is literally what acting is and good acting is. Right. Because, right. So a lot of, not a lot of, a lot of beginning actors, actors who don't really know what they're doing. Let's say there's the the director's notes on the sheet say, Jennifer is really sad. Sad. Sad is the most vague, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Gray, ambiguous word you can get. Now, when you start taking specifics about what sadness is to someone else, to a specific person, whether it means pain, whether it means, you know, disgust, whatever sadness means specifically to you, and you bring that to a role, that's going to be interesting to watch because it's the truth. A lot of actors, not the good ones and not the ones that don't really work, play the idea of sadness. Fuck that. I want to see, I want you to literally imagine you losing your mother and I want you to pretend and really think about what that would feel like. And then I want you to put that into your audition. And I would like to see that. Not to, I'm sad today. <laughs> that's so, that, I, I, I'm, it's I don't, I don't all act. about specifics. That's what I thought. And it's all about how specific you get. The more specific you are, the more compelling it is. Because it's about, it's actually being more, it's being truthful. When you give an experience like that and, you, and, the, and the performance comes from a place of truth, like from literally Michael Galante, that's cool to watch. It's real. It's 100% real. There's no, no bullshit at all. It's crazy. Yeah. I didn't learn this till about four or five years ago, but now that I've incorporated the truth into my work, it's it's mind-blowing. It's actually incredible. Yeah, that's how, like I said, I'm not an actor or a trained actor, but I always yeah. thought like in a role like that, when I see these amazing actors that are just so believable- I'm like, in it. I'm like, they are they are in that 100%. actual place. 100%. And the, and the skill level that you guys have to- pull up a real emotion from a, maybe an experience that you had and then by the same time convert it to a fake experience but maintain that emotion. 100%. So I was, I was curious That's about it. an experience like this probably for as while oh, as it propels yeah. your career. If there, were ever, it was there ever, uh, if there was ever a scene that needed uh, loss, whether it was a pet, whether it was a family member, whether it was a best friend, whether it was anything, I could now take the loss of this person, translate it, convert it, and substitute it. And they don't know that I'm thinking about my grandmother. It might be about my my pet pit bull. So I can take that substitution, they call it, of my grandmother dying, convert it, process it. And yet, yeah. And now we're talking about my dog that passed away. Same pain, same loss, same, you know, wonderful, uh, the memories, it's all, it all translates. This might be a, a poor way of saying it for me, like how I'm going to say it, but I think that's like a kind of a, a way of saying how you can convert you know, traumatic energy into a positive. That's a very specific thing, but I still think there are other transmissible ways that we can, all this energy that's built up from trauma and all that stuff can be converted. Like just like as an actor, you're converting that energy to something useful. You can apply that to everyday life. Look what you're doing. Look what you're doing, dude. You created this podcast in honor of your dad. 
you are changing and helping people's lives to honor your dad. But you're taking a tragic experience and saying, fuck it, I'm gonna help other people with grief. I'm not gonna, I can't wallow in sadness. I have to live with this awful tragedy that happened, but I'm gonna honor my dad and I'm gonna help other people. The hell, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. You are doing something of service to, to the world. I'm a, I mean, this is beautiful. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. <laughs> what, this is not like, I mean, what are you we doing? You make me feel so much better. Well, th- this is what it is, man. You are helping people deal with this. And I feel like you you touched on a subject that is so, and I'm not saying death is taboo because it's, it is apparent. We don't really talk about it. We don't because it's awful. We, we're afraid of it. We don't know exactly what it is. No one wants to deal, but it's here. It's like taxes, death and taxes. They're not going away. We got to process and deal with it. Yeah, and that's the thing is about. Pro- that's why I was asking once again about sitting in your feelings because you just said a little while ago that you're, you know, you stay because you are busy. So you have and you just you're persevering and you're just strong. So you're going to go and do that. But at the same time, you do have to be careful of getting busy and not dealing with it because it will show up in other ways. I'm sure whenever you do have a moment of downtime. That idleness is the scariest part because once you're in COVID, when we were isolated, once I think that's why some people didn't handle it as well of sitting with, with less themselves with, with yourself and less stimulus around you. You're kind of then all the shit comes up because it's not distracted and there's not other things coming up to push it away. So I think there's there's some good diversion that is just necessary. It's not a bad thing. Like I said, there's no right way to do it. I don't know. Just from that's my part of the grief, it's part of the process. You have to figure it out. Hundred percent. It's a navigation. You're navigating death and grief. It's exactly what it is. And I'm sure you've learned so much about yourself along this process. A lot. It's only been two years. It's not a lot. I I know. I'm still. It's still fresh to me. I want to call her. I want to give her a buzz. You know. I'm still in that. Do you ever try? I mean, might sound a little woo woo, but do you ever talk to her? Like try to in your head? Do you ever do that? I sometimes have a. Yeah, when I'm not feeling great. I'll say a few words to her. I, I, I do that every now and then, but yeah. I, oddly, I woke up some one morning, maybe a couple of weeks ago. I've been in like a really good groove lately of just being more productive, blah, blah, blah. I came in this room and I literally, I, I don't do this often. It wasn't even planned or I, I felt like almost unconscious about it, but I just had like a conversation. I was looking at him. I was like talking to him like he was in the room, like talking shit and just like bullshit with my dad. But it oddly felt, not that I'm saying I was talking to him, but it felt, it felt therapeutic. Just have, I just had like a literally a, three, four minute conversation. Like I was talking to my dad. Beautiful. I don't know what that means or what it is, but there is something there. I feel like. And yeah, it means he's still with you. He's still affecting you. He'd want that. And he, you know, and yeah, it's that, beautiful. This that, is, think, this is grief. This is, this is the navigation of grief. You know, I had to write a letter. I wrote a letter to my grandmother. Oh, there you go. Uh, I wrote a letter to her and I spoke it at the eulogy and it was basically saying how much I missed her, how much I thanked her for all the moments, everything. And I made a couple of jokes in there, but I, 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 it was supposed to be a private moment. I wanted to have a private moment, but it ended up being, I was like, might as well just stay this the eulogy because I don't know how much time I'm going to have. And they were also during COVID. So we had limited time with, at the cemetery because you were trying to be social distance. But I had a, the first part of the eulogy was talking about my grandmother and honoring her. And the second one was just a personal letter I wrote, ended up being public. My, my family, you know, they video, it ended up being like yeah. a thing, but it was just me saying, I miss you. I love you, thank you, and you'll always be with me. It was difficult. I barely got through it, um, but it, I wanted to. I needed to say those things to her when she was, you know, there. Yeah, did you, I mean, are you learning ways that work and learning what makes you feel better? And 
or is it still part of the process? I, I think time, you know, isn't time it, is it just time heals? I, we were just talking about that the other day. I think time, it does work. After time, it does kind of, it feels like a little balloon that has air in it. You're kind of like slowly letting the air out. Yeah. But I also think what's really important is to supplement with time is the wisdom of learning about yourself and coming to terms with things. And with time, you figure that out. It's like you said, it's part of the process, but a process takes time. So I don't know. Does it, does time truly heal when you're not doing anything proactive? Right. Probably. Yeah, you're right. Because you're sitting in the same place, you know? And then, unfortunately, things come up by like, physically and mentally when things are suppressed. Like, like, it's not, it's not just genes anymore. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's things that we do suppress that do come out in other ways, unfortunately. And that's why yeah. it's really so important. We may not see it now, but God forbid down the line things happen to people. It's like, I wonder how much of it is actually from shit that we suppress. That's why it's just really important just to be conscious of it. And it seems like you are. I'm just, I just realized that that's something that I've learned from people in my own self, but I don't even know the right way to, like if I, sometimes I don't know if I'm doing it right. Like I could say I am, but it, like, I guess you just judge it by how I feel. How do I truly feel? And really ask yourself that is a really important question that I've tried to come to terms with is how do I feel? Like literally, yeah. how do I really feel? Like it's easy in passing. I say, oh, I'm good. How are you? But that's so like con- like subconscious. I just respond habitually. But how do you how do you feel? How do you feel? That's a good question, man. It's a lot. I mean, just in general, like like literally light, like about everything. Yeah, yeah it's a very it's a, it's like reading I'm, sad off a script. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- no, no, no. I, I'm still recovering from 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 the whole COVID situation. Things were going really well for me right before COVID. I was recurring on two TV shows. Things were on the up and up. I was feeling great. Then everything shut down and everything's back, but the industry has changed drastically. Logistically? Logistically. I can't believe I'm saying this. The industry got harder wow. because auditions have gone away. So it used to be, I'd be one of you know 50 guys selected to go audition in a room for a casting director and different people. Now we have to make these things called self-tapes so literally, like right now in this room, they, the cast director sends an audition to my agent. My agent calls me and says, make a tape for this project. Okay. So we make a tape, me and you, just on our own time. You know, there's no one judging. We do this, and then we send it back to the cast director. The problem is they're seeing lots more people and lots more tapes. So instead of one of 50 for a role, I'm probably one of 350. So I can't believe I'm saying this. The industry got harder. As if it wasn't already. It, 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 exactly. So I'm navigating it. You know, I've had some pretty good opportunities. My my reps are great. You know, it, I'm not worried about it, but it, it was a big slowdown for everybody. You know, COVID shut down the world for a minute. It's just so I feel like I'm kind of not starting over. It's not that I'm starting over because I have pretty decent resume now, but it's more yeah, like now <laughs> I now have to like feel like I have to break in again. You know what I mean? It's like, I just did this. I, I had literally done this for like seven years to break in. Got to a point, I was like, wow, this, I'm really gonna now, you know, really hit it off and explode. And then, oh yeah, some guy eats a bat in Wuhan and now, you know what I mean? <laughs> or whatever. I don't even believe, whatever. I don't want to get into it, but I don't even think that's Next true. episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like so much stuff is coming out with that now that I, don't, I honestly, I don't know what to believe. I thought I believed things and now I'm trying, I'm trying to- Totally I, right. It's important. the same. It's important to, you know, be cognitive of it, but at some point I can't let it- Oh, I've got an open mind to anything now. Same. At this point, yeah. absolutely. I don't know what the hell is true. <laughs> I have no idea. I just go with gut feelings at this point. Dude, I, that, I've been saying that, like, yeah. I think more than ever intuition and just ha- gut feeling is 
because I feel like we're just getting lied to from every which fucking direction. That's like at some point. How do I know what's truthful now? Where's uh, the source? I'm the just using myself. Dude. Yeah, use the gut. <laughs> I, I, I think you got to use that. We have to use that, and when we're getting through shit like you're going through, because right, it's, if I were to talk to you, if we were to have another episode like a year or two from now, you're probably going to be saying so many different things. It's just because yeah. if I really think about who I was over the years, a lot of this stuff I forget, which is terrible because I, I don't know. I feel like that was a defense mechanism that I'm trying to uncover, but you're going to be a different person. And I think yeah. uh, you got to embrace that and just uh, you, as bad, as shitty as it feels right now, you're going to learn so much about you. And I think you know, with the relationship you have with your grandmother, re- reflecting back to what you said that what she would want from you, yeah, I think you'd be pretty confident from what you're telling me that she would want you to grow, get stronger and better from this. And it's all growth. And you're in the part, you're in that, you're in the middle of it now. I know COVID wasn't, wasn't good for me. I'm a, I'm a guy who's very social. I'm a guy who likes to be free. I, this is why I chose this career is to have just is on my own terms. Right. And then COVID kind of shut us down and we're, we're locked down. Can't do much. I was like, this is unnatural. My grandmother hated it too. I would call, she's like, this is just sucks. She would just say that. She's like, getting old sucks. This sucks. I could just tell she's like fed up, you know? Uh, because also think about that. We're young and able people. We're in COVID. We're, you know, the most annoying thing is that we have to wear a mask. For older people who are isolated, who are alone. Yeah, what are they doing? I, I felt, I was like, that's horrible. And then the worst was when if they got sick, they went to the hospital. No one could go to the hospital to go see them while they're sick in COVID, while they're dying. Fuck that. We were literally, I was talking about it with my family too. It's like, if Nanny goes to the hospital or has to go to the hospital, it's almost like, and she's going to die of COVID, keep her at home. Because yeah. she, the worst thing she'd want is to be at the hospital alone on a ventilator dying. Yeah. I'd rather her pass away, honestly, with at home with all of us around her, holding her hand. Yeah, it's wild. There was oh. no like release you could sign and just be willing. You don't have the choice. And just to be like, willing. Exactly. Yeah, that's a whole nother. That's another podcast. It's on a whole nother podcast. Yeah, I'll start that one. Yeah, yeah. Have me on the first I'm episode. I'm okay, though. I, I appreciate you asking me that because that's not a question you hear all the time. You're absolutely right. But it is a question, but it's it hits differently. when. Like, yeah. it, you, know, it's, you know what it is? It's one of those, how you doing? Like, how are you? And it's because I'm good. And then someone goes, how are you? Yeah, 100%. It's that's bad. it. It's the, it's second, the, it's the second, second how one. are you? It's the second one. <laughs> the is. second one is the real one, is the deeper that's one. That's what it takes. Two how are you's and the person's like, okay, he's yeah. really asking. And there's the truthful one. Yeah, I don't think we do. I don't think I do that enough. I, I try to be more conscious of that. That's an important question. To What I've learned from this podcast, I'm like way too fast paced with things and I get ahead of myself is to like, I really want to learn and am learning the art of truly like listening to someone like you speak. Cause I, th- I really, I realize how important that is to truly listen. Like you can hear, but right. to listen is a different thing. But you've been really, I mean, you're good at listening. I I, mean, I, you, you have I, a good sense of empathy and. Yes. I, yeah, I do. I do. You I have, think. Your emotional intelligence has always been for me when I've hung out with you, it's been really pretty. I appreciate that. Keen. Yeah. And there's always room for improvement, but at the same right. time, I, uh, you know, this, this, these discussions is great. I think we all need, whether it's death or acting or business or love, we all need to communicate more, more than ever today. And I think, I think there's such a, a no divide. It shows weakness, right? Yeah, Even me bullshit. in my freaking career, like I have to feign that everything's great. Not that I do, I don't really go on Instagram much. I don't do, you know, but everyone's talking about how great things are. It's such bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's such bullshit. Oh, my life's great. And then you hear about people like killing those people, those same people killing themselves. It's yeah. like, we don't need to to do this, this game of everything's fantastic. Oh, I just earned this or I just did that. It's just, we don't, but no one really wants to get real and vulnerable because they're uncomfortable with it or also because they see someone else has a billion Instagram followers and see what they're doing. It's really, it's unhealthy, dude. It is. It's, I mean, it's really unhealthy. I feel like with social media and all that, 
and the lack of showing vulnerability, it's it's like we're living two different lives. And one and life's hard enough, then we gotta live two. It's like what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. So I don't know. I think discussion is really important. And um I I don't know what's next for you in regards to how the process is gonna go for you, but I think if you felt imp- have you felt improvement? This is a big day. I, I'm a private person when it comes to my grandmother and grief. I do not like to show it. If I do, it's because I can't control it. Um, so you don't talk to people about it? I don't. I talk to some family members about it, but I, I barely talk about it with, with people because I don't. Sometimes I feel I don't want to bring the room down. I'm the type of guy that like wants to keep everything positive and jovial and give positivity and spread that. And my grandmother dying is kind of like a downer. But this is one of those things where I'm taking a negative situation like now, a, a negative, a negative, a sad thing, right. talking about it, and it might be helping people. So this right now, this podcast is genius to me. It's that conversion. You're, you're, you're converting, converting energy. A, something that can be horrible and adding value to people's lives through that, through people's experiences and through discussion about it. It's wonderful. And it gives people a platform to talk about it. There might be people who come on this podcast who have never discussed death and expressed their sorrow before ever publicly. And they might be watching this being like, I know that I'm, I felt what that guy felt. I can heal maybe from this. That's it. That's, that's the, and that's the beauty of expression. You, I mean, you, you do that every, you do that with your career like in, in art and movie. It's, it's, it's expression it is, in a it different is. form. Phil, it's expression. Phil, Phil Cohen said, he goes, I never have felt better than when I get a message or a phone call saying, I was positively influenced by your talk. Thank you so much. And he's right. That it's, that is beautiful. It's true. And he's doing it. That's it's one reason. call Phil right now. What the hell yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the reason I actually became an artist because I wanted to move people. You know, I just want to be an actor. I wanted to move people. And there's been some pieces of art that I've been involved with. There's a movie called Boy Meets Girl where we were at the screening. Afterwards, there was a large Q&A. And this girl, I will never forget it, stood up and said, this movie was about a transgender uh, girl. And this young lady stood up and said, thank, this is while we're all standing up there. It's my first like big feature film that I was part of, you know? And she said, thank you for making this movie. This movie saved my life. I guess she was about to commit suicide. And in that moment, I realized, Oh my God, this really, this medium art can really truly affect people in a way that can save their life. Yeah. So now when I do art or I try and be part of these projects, it's like, how the fuck can I move people? It's not about making money or, you know, a paycheck or career. It's like, I want to have people feel a certain way and maybe make them see things differently or make them feel better about their lives. Yeah, it's evoking emotion <laughs> is uh, Jesus. It's like just stirring the pot a little bit. I wonder, we all need it. We all we all need it. We need, we need to evoke that emotion. I, I think uh, sharing things and expressing things make people feel. I think a lot of people feel alone when they're really not. And there is there is like a it sounds a negative way to say it, but misery loves company. But knowing that you're not alone in a situation, I, I always think everyone's gone through everything. So my like someone else has gone through what I'm going right, through in right. some way, but. Uh, yeah, that sharing and hearing someone like you, like I guarantee you're gonna, you're if if whoever sees this like in your own personal circle, you're gonna get people that are gonna listen to you, and you're gonna. I think you might be shocked at what they say. You might learn. You're gonna learn something from someone else. I guarantee it. Exactly, and then we could share in that healing, and then even that one aha moment could be like, oh, I feel a little bit better about it today, and then yeah. that compounds, and all of a sudden, 
it's gonna it's gonna be okay. Yeah, dude, you the, know, the mind state can shift in a second. All it is like one switch, one realization, one shift of perspective, one little moment that inspires you. There's plenty of inspiration and like that doesn't linger. It inspires you for the morning, then by night I forgot about it. Right. But then there's certain things that just hit you, and it, it could happen from one word that you say, one word that Phil says, or one word that anyone says. And I, I, the more you, in my head, like the more you put out there, so it's gonna click with someone. So yeah. I think uh, you're going through your own thing right now, but you're not alone. And I appreciate you just being willing to, because as soon as you came in here, you even said you're not, this isn't something you speak about. I don't not- usually do this. And so I, when I took this uh, opportunity on, it was not, I know I, I'm always positive in text and always, I'm always like, yeah, I'll do it. There was a part of me that's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not so easy for me to talk about this. It's out of your comfort zone. At all. Absolutely. I mean, you're on the screen all the time and this is so different. For sure. That's make believe and that's <laughs> art. And that's, you know, for me, it's work and art. This is like deeply personal and death is something I still have this, it's this conundrum in my, in my, in my experience and in my life. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of loss at all. I can't stand the fact that like one day I'm going to have to do this for my mother or my, (sighs) this is where my head goes is that it's going to be, a wonderful day when I can get over the, the death of my grandmother, Holy. But my mother and my parents are in their 70s. It's going to be fucking devastating, you know? And then I have other family members. So it's like, it just sucks, Ferrugio, because there's no getting around it. You have to deal with it one day and it, it's going to suck. It's going to suck, but I think one thing that you already apply with your grandmother that I'm sure you're already doing with your parents is as much as as sad as this moment is right now, a lot of people a lot of people don't think like that. And it could be a double-edged sword because you could get really into it like it's like we all do. But you're applying that idea still in such a positive way that you don't take things for granted. No, I take not one minute. And that is such a that is such a massive deal and grant when it comes you're going to figure it out, but I'll be on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have the, hopefully it's not for a long, long time. Yeah. yeah. Long, long time, long, long time, long, long time. But I th- you're doing so much right now in this, just in this room with me. Cause you, you even just spoke on the vulnerability. Yeah. Look at you. This look, is it. You look, you, look, you look fantastic. <laughs> this is it right here. Yeah, that's, it. No, that's, that's real dude. That's, but like, it's, that's It's healing. Like, you know, and then maybe the more comfortable I can get with, the whole idea of death, I think the better I'll be in life. But for me still, I'm not completely, I don't, I kind of resent it. I kind of hate it. You're right. But but that awareness of that, of those feelings, you just labeled them, resentment, anger, whatever it is, that is a, it might not seem nothing to actually feel it, but that is a big step of realizing that and deducing those. And don't take it with a grain of salt. I sell, I sell houses. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. But once you realize what those feelings are, you just labeled them. As ask yourself the question, just like asking yourself, how am I? It's like, okay, I feel resentment. Okay, why do I feel resentment? And then all of a sudden you might notice other feelings from that. And then you get to the source. It's like instead of taking an Advil, like find the find the source. And, it, and there is a source. And it's easy to say, oh, it's from my grandmother dying, but there's like you just keep deducting those feelings and you get into we get into weird places. Like I'm still I I'm still figuring that out. I'm, I get to one feeling, like, well, how do I feel like I can't figure it out? But, it's all its growth. But it's growth. I mean, the, the, you're peeling away the onion to yeah, see Shrek. what the, Yeah, no, 100 percent Shrekking it. But that's a but I think you're maybe even unconsciously just you're figuring it out. Yeah. Not that I'm even trying to, but it's just you just go through it and learn new things. And then like talks like this can help. And seeing that it's your your podcasts help. 
because other people have talked about their specific experience. That's the thing. It's this is like a snowflake. Every time you do a podcast, it's completely different. Every's everyone's experience with loss and grief is completely different. Right. Everyone coming here losing a father or a grandmother, but everyone sees it differently. But you do notice those underlying similarities, which yes. is great, which I think gives point some direction of like, okay, right. maybe we should be considering that. Right. But yeah, everyone feels, reacts, is in a different situation. Like I said, whether it's brother or sister, yeah. they can go two different courses. You should get someone on here that is maybe happy that someone passed away. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they were bad. There's that. Think about people like that too. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, think about that, where maybe someone was who uh, was abused by a, a family member or someone, and now that person's dead. They're not, maybe they're not so sad, but then, I mean, that's, yeah, think that's about that. That's deep. Yeah, that's a that's And we're a talking idea. about loss because we love these people greatly. There's people who have... The people in their lives who have died who they didn't love greatly. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. That is, <laughs> I'm about to hire you as a producer for this show. <laughs> um, Michael, I, thank, dude, thank you, man. Bro, that was that was, that was some real real stuff. And I really appreciate is, it. This is uh, amazing what you're doing. Keep going. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm not going anywhere, but uh, it's because of people like you. So my, it's good to see you anyway. Oh, like, uh, dude, seriously. Just yeah. in general, thank you for taking the trip out here. Absolutely. Um, another episode of Dead Talks with Michael Galante. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in. 